Hi everyone, depends on where you are in the world. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. It doesn't matter where you are. Um, reading and reviewing publications should be timeless. So this is my first podcast, very first one actually, and I simply want to share my thoughts about reading books and publications, maybe reviewing them. So I'm starting with a recent read. It's a book about the study of comparative literature. This is a 2018 version of the book entitled Chinese Visual Poetry: The Path of a Picturesque Literature by Dr. Tan Hanwei. He explores what is the definition of visual poetry that considers relationships of the poetic quality, image, or form to the interactions of textual representations with the mind of the readers, underpinned primarily by Western theories of verbal-visual interactions and traditional Chinese literature and literary theories. These comparative methodologies showcase the differences in nature and scope of Chinese visual poetry. Tan's study reassembles conceptual elements in written Chinese characters that makes them unique and has picturesque effects. Well, as a literary practice, Chinese visual poetry could be as contrastive as it gets. So he connected it to the history of Chinese literature, as well as the three art forms. He also introduced what could possibly be the origin of pattern poetry, related the use of Chinese characters in Japanese concrete poems, and discussed on how the arts of calligraphy intertwines with Chinese culture and linguistics. After pointing out the need of analyzing the language characters and the art forms of Chinese, the book starts its re-examination on the history of written characters, carefully broken down in four parts. Dr. Tan's exploration of pictographic qualities of the language traces back to the era when oracle bones were used. Elaborated on the visual images conveyed by the verbal semantics of classical Chinese language poems, and bring you back to one of the modern phenomenon Tang Kao's ideographic thinking. Chapter one has four parts for explaining the Shi and Xiang interactions. The historical developments about Xiang and discussions about the Shi in written characters. Doctor Tan refers Shi as poetic quality and Xiang as image or forms of the poems. So, in this context of Shi and Xiang, Tan foretells the man sees horse example by Ernest Fulnosa and Elzer Pound. The chapter offers neutral descriptions on the Western and Oriental debates since a century ago. In doing so, Tan uncovers different scholarly perspectives on the cultural functions of Chinese language with bilingual examples. The long-standing Western influence pointed out by Tan in the book as logocentrism. The influence of This type of centrism had been 
challenged by the voices of Sino-origin scholars. Shihu, for example, has his、um, early two thousands publication about Chinese poetry. So in that book,、um, Shihu presented many poems, and his supporters annotated on their views about. Ideographic qualities and how the terms of events during May Fourth movements brought in Western grammatical influences on the Chinese language. Going back to Tan's book,、um, also introduced in four parts,、uh, Tan's book's chapter three is about Shi and Xiang in Chinese language calligraphy, and chapter four. Is about how visual poetry presents in modern and postmodern era of China. So in chapter four,、uh, when Tan talks about it,、uh, is about visual poetry as a concept rather than the poems themselves in the modern and postmodern era. Also, if you're interested in reading how Dr. Tan relates Shi and the art of dulling with words. Then you probably must read chapter two of this book, Chinese Visual Poetry. So in this chapter, the poetic quality, as Tam names Shi, is detailed in as how the poetic quality in Chinese calligraphy engage with words. He has a section of narrations on the avant-garde experimentations. Includes his thoughts about visual arts and the picturesque in calligraphy. After glorifying avant-garde artists' innovation of Chinese language, he included a introductory section on visual poetry in the new arts form, such as new stages arts and design. I would give you a sneak peek to the types of stage arts Dr. Tan talked about. The one that's notably traditional forms of Chinese opera. So these forms of opera usually require the artist to showcase painted faces. So his book discusses on how the unique facial patterns challenges interpreters of this type of picturesque. This type of challenges is highly culturally influenced, so it gives rise to、um, a very significant pictorial gap that would probably give translators and interpreters a huge challenge. Either, for example, if you're interpreting visual arts, interpreting the facial patterns into Western cultures, for example, and many of the poems,、uh, the arts, and the logos could be a great source for translation and interpreting assignments. Or maybe if you're writing an art critic or a translation project, you could also try to adapt from all these great resources, or the artworks as presented in the book. Tan finally portrays the significant examples that, and then he discusses on the relevance to the argument in ways that lends to both the contrast and the unity of the character and the letter forms. 
that he really focused on discussing the differences and somewhat there's unity as well within uh, the characters and the letters. For learners of comparative literature, this book is a thorough investigation of Chinese visual poetry in the relationship of Shi and Xiang. He offers a demanding read into multiple layers of visual poetry underlying in designated art genres.